Hi everyone, this is Patu. I'm sitting here uh, at the Indiana Linux Fest, and I'm talking to Mark, who is also known as Delta Ray in the IRC, and you do a lot of things, so first of all, say hi to everyone. Hi everyone. Thank you. Um, so the first thing that I, I really wanted to talk to you about was your command line talk that you gave. It's called, um, I guess, command line magic or something like that, and why don't you tell me how that kind of got started or what that is. Well, Command Line Magic is a Twitter and Identica feed uh, that I post little tips and tricks to to try to encourage people to delve into the command line more than they usually do. I always felt, and I'm gu- I've been guilty of this too for a long time, where you know I, I tend to use a command line and I just run cd or ls and, and simple commands, and you look at the man page, you're like, oh, there's all this other stuff that I could do, but I don't, you know, I don't know what to do with it. And uh, you always see people using for loops and while loops, and but you you think that it's something that's complex, and they're always using examples that are like foobar, yeah. you know, and you don't know how to apply it to your daily life. So what I wanted to do was post real things that I'm doing, like uh, system administration type tasks, because that's what I that's what I do in my uh, life. I'm, I say I'm a system administrator at 48.7 because I actually am a system at a company called Cook Medical and then at night I run a web hosting company so I, you know, I'm on call two times over yeah. and sometimes it's pretty interesting the situations I run into as far as responsibility goes. So whenever I come across something that I'm doing that I think is interesting I try and generify it a little bit and then post it to the feed with a short description and you know since Twitter and Identica are limited to 140 characters I have to sometimes come up with creative ways of making it all fit right. or, or filter yeah. out some stuff yeah. it's really cool actually that you can come up with commands that are as cool as the ones that you're coming up with and useful that are only 140 characters so I'm curious I mean, does anyone even use the command line anymore? I mean, come on. We're, we've got fancy, pretty GUIs now. What do we need it for? Well, that's one of the things I actually start out my talk with, is to talk about why the command line's still relevant in 2011, 2010. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I've given this talk at OLF and, and now Indiana like this, and it's funny how, you know, I start building up my uh, my uh, presentation, you know, preparing it and so on, and these things start popping up in the environment, like uh, before OLF, the uh, uh, VMware, just added a command line interface for ESX and um, you know people were talking about PowerShell and Windows and how it was catching on and then at OLF we actually had these uh, Linux journals that was put in our bags that was a command line specific issue right. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm just like well obviously there's still an interest in the command line and it seems to be growing back because people aren't finding functionality that they need in GUI you know there, I see people on Twitter when I, when I try and find new people to follow so that they can follow of the, the command line feed. I search for command line. I search for bash. And I come across people who are like saying stuff like, I'm set up with a GUI. I'm going back to the command line. Wow. You yeah, know? yeah. And it, it isn't only people who are hardcore geeks or anything. It's just people who are like, I get more out of the command line because I can do things in bit large batch jobs or, you know, I don't have to worry about the interface freezing up or the interface changing yeah. or something like that. So I think it's very still relevant. It's growing. 
Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I still find myself, sometimes I have to remind myself to do something in the GUI just so that when someone looking over my shoulder wants to know how to do something on KDE or something, I'll know how to do it because it's like sometimes I just don't even want to be bothered with it, you know. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really relevant thing. Um, so your other job is, um, well, okay, so one of your other jobs is SUSO.org, right? What is that? SUSO, well, SUSO.com. Okay. Uh, maybe I should. SUSO.org uh, was how it started. I started at, in my dorm room back in 97, and it was just some servers that would run all the time while I was sleeping and, you know, packed as a nightlight. <laughs> and uh, I had some friends on there, and, and people started asking for accounts. It originally started as, as a place for me to host a website that I was managing called the Philip Glass Library, and I was really into Philip Glass at the time. And, and back when fan sites were popular, right. you know, it was all the thing to do. But eventually I started to become more interested in actually managing the server and I started wearing Linux a lot more and uh, it just grew and grew and I started adding new features to SUSO and um, learned a lot about Apache and mail servers and I also had a job at an ISP at the time which is so that, you know, yeah. I learned from some really great guys there who worked at the university and passed along some Kool-Aid that I carry along to this day. And so SUSO grew out, grew out of, you know, kind of a non-profit type of idealism and, and community idealism. In 2004, we we turned into a .com. That was after trying to acquire the SUSO.com domain from a domain squatter. Yeah. My, uh, my wife... She tricked the domain squatter into selling us the domain for half the price. Nice. So we got that, and we formed a corporation and, and grew from there. I've been so busy a lot of the times that it's been hard to, to make SUSA grow at the rate that it really should. Mm-hmm. You know, I get sidetracked by other projects. I've been the leader of our local Linux users group, oh, and, wow. and I also uh, started this website called Bloomingpedia, which is a city wiki for Bloomington. Oh, but at one point, it was the second largest wiki in the United States for a city, but since then, our city wikis have come along. Yeah. And, you know, I get way involved with way too many things for my own good, but <laughs> I always find ways to make the command line part of, <laughs> part of what I'm doing. Yeah. What, um, so the other thing that you're doing is that you actually helped put together this festival. So how, how, do, you, how do you feel? Because it's, it's a basic, I mean, the key, final keynote's going on right now. So, you know, it's coming to a close. What, what's your, um, how are you doing? I think it's gone very smoothly, and we've gotten lots of good feedback. Yeah. We had some people canceled, but I imagine that goes with every conference. Yeah, yeah, of course. Lord D and uh, Michael Schutes have been involved with Ohio Linux Fest, um, Michael more than uh, Matt. So, I mean, having that connection there and getting people to help us from Ohio Linux Fest was a big help in organizing the whole thing. It also uh, came about because IU Linux Fest, which is Indiana University Linux Fest, actually got started all the way back in 1998. Oh, okay. I actually attended that first one wow. when I was working at Kiva Networking, the ISP I was working for. We had a table there. And so at the time, that was actually one of the first Linux fests in the country. But it was never really pushed hard beyond, you know, the university environment and the local community. And we would only have about like 100 or 150 people every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that went until 2008, I think. So it had 10 years in existence. And then after it, it folded and they decided not to do it anymore, we were, a few of us were talking about like, oh, we'd like to have a link to us. And I talked with Michael at the time. He registered IndianaLinks.org. And then he kind of, I wasn't sure, you know, it was kind of unclear who was going to spearhead the whole thing. Right. 
and we really needed somebody to like just you know drive it like a train. Yeah. And that person was Lord D, and he just came around and, and just get a conference going. Right. How hard can it be? <laughs> oh, and man. you know now at the end of it's like oh my gosh I'm so tired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I had no idea how much was involved. Yeah. Yeah. You think it's something that's kind of easy, but then it's like all this stuff that goes so on much, behind the scenes yeah, yeah. and you have much more appreciation for conference people that, mm-hmm. that volunteer and help organize it yeah. and also you know all the times that I wrote to a conference organizer uh, and I didn't understand why they didn't write me back right away <laughs> I totally understand <laughs> well said <laughs> well I think it, yeah I, I have to agree it came off really really nicely um, it felt like a real fest it had lots of people it had really great talks I, I've learned a lot here so yeah I mean you, you guys did a, a really nice job. So one thing I I'm not sure where it's happened or not. A lot of times conferences and festivals they have something unique that is tied to that specific festival, mm-hmm. like that becomes a tradition or right. something like that. And I'm wondering if anything like that has happened. Right. Yeah. And we'll see it next year. Or whatever. Yeah. 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 So develops over time, I guess. Yeah. And actually, actually speaking of how you had the the Indiana Linux Fest here back in 98 or whatever, or whatever they were calling it. You told me about, and you actually even showed me something else that came from, I guess, Bloomington is where this CD came out of. Oh, the Yeah. yeah. Like, what's the story behind that again? Okay, so, I mean, one of the things that I wanted to talk a little bit about at ILF was the fact that there's so much in Indiana that's tied to Linux. It's amazing that there hasn't been a festival before. That mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's IU Linux Fest and maybe a few other events. But there hasn't been as strong of a of an event. The GIMP 1.0 CD actually was shipped worldwide from Bloomington, Indiana. That's crazy. Uh, I actually went over to the guy's house. This was back in 1998. GIMP is such a you know a cornerstone of the open source desktop that it's. It's a pretty essential, you know, it's like an artifact now. It's, it's like yeah. a huge thing. Yeah, I didn't really realize that until you said that. I was like, oh, GIMP is GIMP, right? But then, of course, I mean, everyone knows in the back of their mind, at least, that GTK is the GIMP toolkit. And right. Like, and, you know, and GTK beget GNOME and, yeah. and, and GNOME yeah. beget everything else. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I'm sure the KDE people are looking at this <laughs> and saying, hey, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, know, you can't deny that. I mean, I, I'm a KDE user myself, but any anybody who it's is cool. Anybody who is using open source desktops, they're time, using something GTK. You know, they, they know the history with uh-huh. the whole QT, you know, open and close mm-hmm. debate and all that yeah. stuff that's going yeah, yeah. on. So yeah. looking back, there's a lot going on, and GIMP was a huge central part of that. That's cool. The uh, the guy who made them, he made a company called Wilberworks, and you can actually, if you search oh, for right. Wilberworks on the GIMP 1.0 CD online, you'll find this story. Oh, okay. So Wilberworks was this company, and I don't know whether it had anything to do with Wilbur, I mean, it has to do with Wilbur, the icon of GIMP, right. but I don't know where it has anything to do with that's how Wilbur came about. Right. Uh, I, you know, somebody would have to do some archaeology <laughs> on that yeah. one. So anyways, he had this company called Wilberworks. It was Scott Grove. Groving, I forget how his name is pronounced. Sure. But so he, when he had this uh, company, Wilberworks, he put together this CD for GIMP with help from people on the GIMP developer team. And then it got made in Bloomington and shipped worldwide from Bloomington. So wow, it was an announcement. Really cool. I remember seeing the announcement on Flashstar or something yeah. like that. Bloomington, Indiana, I live there. You know? <laughs> <That's> crazy. <laughs> so I went over to the guy's house. He lived in northern Bloomington. And <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, and it was really cool to see that disc. So that's, there's one thing. You come to the Indiana Linux Fest, you get to see old, cool stuff. And lots of great talks. I can't can't reiterate enough how, how good some of these talks were. I really, they really did learn a lot. Thanks for talking to me. No problem. 
Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HCR is sponsored by Carol.net. So head on over to caro.net for all of the videos. Thank you.